live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and welcome. It is Tuesday, May 31st, the last day of this fifth month of the year in the year 2022. Hope you're having a great day. Rain is on the way. And um, that's all right. That's okay. That That's not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. Um, 37 years ago today, 37 years ago, um, Tom Benson became official. He purchased the New Orleans Saints from John Meekham Jr. back in 1980. 85 and under Meekum's ownership, the Saints never posted a winning season under John Meekum. Benson buying the team and under his ownership, bringing in Jim Finks, Jim Mora, and Sean Payton. Well, the trajectory of the franchise changed dramatically. No more ain'ts, no more bags over everyone's faces in the stands. The Saints are a legitimate contender each and every year. So a salute to the late Tom Benson, who's handed the reins over to his lovely wife, Gail, 37 years ago today. 37 years ago today. And we had our moments, right? With Katrina and flirting with San Antonio and having to play some games in Tiger Stadium. I remember Tom Benson getting booed and people just screaming vitriol at him. It was the Saints versus the Miami Dolphins. The head coach of Miami was Nick Saban, who said today at the beginning, just before the beginning of the SEC spring meetings in Sandestin, Florida, uh, I really didn't really say that anybody did anything wrong when he had made those public comments that he made two weeks ago. I didn't say anybody did anything wrong, Saban said. Um, of course, when he called out Texas A&M by name, it heated up a national conversation, uh, which Jimbo Fisher quickly said that Saban was despicable and insisted we never bought anybody and no rules are broken. He went and called Saban a narcissist and said that when Saban called, he didn't pick up. Fisher said their relationship, of their relationship, we are done. Um, Five of the SEC's 14 football head coaches met with the media before the start of the spring meetings, but Fisher wasn't among them. Saban did say today, I should have never mentioned any individual institutions. He said, I have no problem with Jimbo 
at all. Saban tried to steer the conversation away from Fisher instead of focusing on the issues with the current NIL landscape and how it can be improved. Saban said he's in favor of players making money, but he called for transparency, protection for players who might not be aware of what the contracts they sign entail thus get an agent and for the removal of boosters from the recruiting process. So uh, we shall see Kirby smart had the best line of the day. He, he worked with Saban and Fisher at LSU. Um, He said he spent no time thinking about their verbal back and forth since it happened. He said, if reporters were surprised by their comments, they should listen to what's said on headphones during game days. That was pretty good. Pretty good. Um, A former LSU Tiger, Akeem Hicks, has signed a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a deal worth up to $10 million. His addition likely means the end of defensive tackle Indomitian Sue's time in Tampa. Sue is also an unrestricted free agent. Meanwhile, it's time to get ready for baseball. Um, A big shout out to former LSU infielder Josh Smith. He was called up by the Texas Rangers. And how about this for a start, your major league debut? Josh Smith went three for four with two runs scored and tied the Rangers club record for hits in a debut. Smith is the 82nd major leaguer. in the history of LSU baseball and the third former LSU player to reach the big leagues this season, joining infielder Kramer Robertson of the St. Louis Cardinals and catcher Michael Papirski of the San Francisco Giants. Um, In case you were wondering, football is 96 days away. Doesn't seem like much, does it? Just 96 days away. Let me tell you what we have in store for you and yours today. Our guest list. Uh, We've given Glenn West some time off. He's changed gigs. He is now with 247 Sports. So Glenn West, after a couple of weeks off, Back joining us yet again today, we'll talk about LSU baseball, which um, the Tigers will begin its quest for a seventh national championship in the Hattiesburg Regional, which is hosted by number 11 national seed Southern Miss. It also includes Kennesaw State and Army. Uh, Let me just tell you something. Um, Hattiesburg, just 160 miles from Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge is coming to Hattiesburg. They are going to own that stadium. I don't know how many seats there are in that thing, uh, but LSU is going to dominate the landscape without question, without doubt. And the fact that, yes, look, if LSU had beaten Kentucky in the SEC tournament for the second time and won their second game of the tournament, they wouldn't be traveling tomorrow. They would be here um, hosting a regional, but that's okay. LSU's been really good on the road in the SEC. They swept the defending national champion Mississippi State Bulldogs on the road. They swept the national runners-up Vanderbilt on the road. They won two out of three at Florida. As Jake Johnson said, quote, if that doesn't give our team confidence, I don't know what will. The other aspect, Jacob Berry, Kay Doty, both returning from injury and will play this weekend. LSU will be 100% healthy for the first time in a month and a half. 
in a month and a half. So those are all good things. We'll talk to Glenn West about that. Um, we'll get a broad picture, national picture uh, of this college baseball uh, tournament with the former LSU great, now part of the SEC Network television coverage. Uh, Todd Walker will join us in this hour as well. We have the NBA Finals approaching us on a Thursday. Um, the Golden State Warriors are a slight favorite. Steph Curry, the favorite to win the MVP voting uh, in this tournament. Chris Conner from At The Bird Rights will join us. We'll talk about this championship matchup. Who are the top five players to watch? And, and with the level of their importance for their team to win, we'll, we'll discuss that. And then Bob Rose will join us as he does each and every Tuesday from the Saints News Network. And we'll talk all things in Orleans. Who's got more pre- pressure on them is it the head coach or the quarterback hmm we'll look at uh proverbial depth chart um as otas have uh, come and gone and we have the mandatory um ota coming up here in this month so things are getting a little busy without question without doubt so um cajuns getting ready for their regional the lions getting ready for their regional um, I think out of all four with Louisiana Tech, I think LSU's got the most favorable regional of them all. I'm not sure how it works. I'll discuss this with Glenn. Uh, LSU's a two seed. If they were happen to win the Hattiesburg uh, regional um, and someone other than Miami wins the Coral Gables regional, could LSU host a super regional team with the highest ranking, highest seed? I I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to delve into that with Glenn West. We are brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. It's a ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Tuesday here on the Jordy Holbrook Show. Over 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana here to serve you. They want to put a smile on your face. That's, that's their mission statement. Each and every day they have... Um, they have a their stores are filled with Louisiana products. So whether you want a um, a hot sandwich, uh, if you want a hot cup of coffee, if you're looking for top shelf wines or spirits, or you're just looking for a quick pit stop, Shoprite Tobacco Plus discount outlets is ready for you. Spacious stores with modern restrooms that are clean and comfortable, and delicious food that's always fresh and always fast. If you can't shop right at Shoprite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, I'm telling you, you just can't shop right at all. James Mesh back in the Master Control Suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of uh, Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in 1041 Lake Charles. We are streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And in the Acadiana area, we are also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. So you are listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana and home of the Jordy Helper Show. And we'll be back getting things rolling on this Tuesday, the last day of May. Happy summertime, kids. We'll be back. 
He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back. Uh, if you're a tennis fan, the quarterfinals at the French Open, uh, a rarity. Novak Djokovic versus Rafa Nadal. Oh, what a, what a match that could be and should be. Rafa up one zip in the first. Well, we have... Uh, We've missed our next guest. We gave him some time off as he uh, he has changed his uh, employment. Uh, bigger and better things for our good friend Glenn West. Now with Go Two Four Seven Sports, uh, Glenn. Congratulations, big guy. It's been a while. I've missed you, but uh, very very happy for you, huh? This is like your second day on the gig. So how's it going so far? Hey, thanks, Jordy. Yeah, it's actually been about a week now that I've started and week and a couple days. So I've okay. uh, just been trying to get my my feet under me and get back into the groove of things, but always <laughs> happy to hop on. Thanks for having well, me. Good, good. Um, I don't know what you think about this uh, regional that LSU is in with um, Southern Miss and Kennesaw State and Army. Golly, I think LSU has a great chance of coming out of this thing. Yeah, it's a favorable draw. I mean, the, the the good thing about this draw that they got is that they're facing teams that are very similar in terms of just their style of play and just what they rely on. You know, Kennesaw State and Southern Miss are both teams that rely heavily on their offense, which is very much uh, kind of what LSU is this year. And yeah. you know, I think you know, kind of as their offense goes, they'll, 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 it'll, it'll take them good places. And so um, it's, it's a good matchup. I think, look, LSU comes into this Kennesaw State game with a lot of confidence on the road. They've, they've played very well on the road this year. They've been, uh, they've kind of adopted this road dog mentality recently. That's been the popular kind of phrase around the team that, you know, whenever they go on the road, they're able to kind of reach another gear that maybe they don't really find at home and uh, you know there's just some teams that are like that you know we've asked Jay Johnson about that before and it's just kind of the nature of this team to really step up and play well uh, in some hostile environments and so I think some of their road success this year that they've had in the SEC will really prepare them for this weekend um, and, and potentially lead to some some good things happening. So you're telling me they're the Boston Celtics of college baseball? It certainly seems like that. I mean, Boston, yeah. I mean, look, Three game, I mean, how many road games have they won this year All in the playoffs? It's ridiculous. They've won a couple of game sevens on the road, I think, yeah. or a couple yeah. of – yeah, something like that. And so that's, yeah, very impressive. And, yeah, I mean, LSU is very much in a similar boat. I think they're going to – uh, obviously rely heavily on that offense. They're going to get Jacob Berry and Kate Doty back right. into the rotation. So that'll right. be good for them. And, um, you know, I think the biggest question is what they do with that pitching rotation. And, and that always leads me to my, my thought process. And I never want to give the impression that I am slighting a team, but to me, I never throw my ace in game one. I always, I always put my, let's go Johnny Holstaff. We got enough arms. Let's do it. Let's get in the winner's bracket of this thing. And then on Saturday, let me throw Hilliard. That's just my thought. What do you think of that, that logic? I think in most cases, you'd probably be right. But I don't really view Mikhail as kind of a, a Friday ace kind of guy. You know, I think he's a yeah. guy that can give you consistency 
um, and kind of keep you in a game. And I think if you're looking for a guy that's going to keep you in a game, you want that to be in that first game. The last thing you want to do is drop that opener and then that's you true. really your backs are really against the wall there. So um, I, I do think it's important for them to throw Mikhail early. Um, look, Jay Johnson's been very tight-lipped about who he wants yeah, to throw out exactly. there. So uh, wouldn't be surprising if maybe they go with a Ty Floyd or a veteran or something like that. But I just think that this first game, you really want to get off to a strong start, um, set up yourselves nicely for maybe a by-committee approach in game two uh, against potentially a Southern Miss and, and that number one seed. So uh, if you can get Mikhail to go six, seven, eight innings in that first game, man, that helps you and that saves you for the rest of the weekend. So okay. I, I do think it's probably pertinent. I would be surprised if Mikhail doesn't throw um, on Thursday so okay. or on Friday. So I think that's probably going to be the move. But like I said, nothing has been confirmed and right. we'll find out when the, when the guys reach the, the mound on Friday. Hattiesburg, just 160 miles from here. Do you have any idea how much, what the capacity is at that stadium? Well, I know this. I'm actually going to the regional, and I called about 20 different hotels in that area, and they were all booked, all of them really? this weekend. So wow. I'm actually staying about 20 miles outside of Hattiesburg in a other small town that I can't even remember the name of. But <laughs> I'll figure it out on Friday on my ride over there. But, yeah, it's going to be packed. I mean, I think yeah. LSU is going to be well-represented. It's well like represented. a couple-hour drive, and yeah. it should be a lot of fun. Let me ask you this, and I, I don't know the answer. If LSU were to be fortunate enough and earn their way out of this regional and someone other than Miami in the Coral Gables regional wins that, does LSU have a chance to host a super regional? How does that work? Yeah, I have to go back and look at the rules, but I'm not, I don't think so. I think because of the way that this thing is structured, they have these sites set up ahead of time. So where you would, it would be a super regional in Miami. It just wouldn't be Miami playing okay. in it. So I do okay. think that they would keep the sites the same. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there's a very interesting scenario here where LSU wins their regional and Arizona comes out of the Miami regional and that would set up an LSU Arizona matchup, and we all know who came from yeah. Arizona, yeah. Jim Barry and Jay yeah. Johnson, and that would be a very fun story. I think a lot of media members like myself are uh, pulling for a, a story like that. That would be really cool to cover. So uh, it, it's going to be very interesting. I, I'll be very <laughs> interested to see what happens. I wonder how Jay would feel about that. I I think he would embrace it, man. It's yeah. a great story. It's a great first year story. I mean, uh, you know, Palmineri played Notre Dame a couple of times while he was here. They set that right. up, and uh, they, they always had a lot of fun with those matchups. So, yeah, look, I think it'd be very it'd be very fun, very cool um, from the outsider's perspective to cover, and uh, certainly it would probably be a very competitive and, and fun series to to watch as well. Meanwhile, the money-earning sports, their coaches, the administrators are in uh, Destin, Florida. For the first time in three years, the SEC is hosting their spring meetings. And since that last meeting, LSU has a new president in William Tate. They have a new football coach in Brian Kelly, two new basketball coaches in Kim Mulkey and Matt McMahon. Uh, the only person that remains solid, but he just was there. He got hired in April of 2019 with Scott Woodward. Um should be interesting meetings, I would think, with uh, the NIL agenda and uh, scheduling gen agenda. Yeah, yeah, I would assume so. We haven't heard much out of the Brian Kelly or LSU camp in terms of conversations that have been had with media guys over there. Uh, I know Rabelais from The Advocate is over there. I think he's got boots on the ground. So yeah. it'll be interesting to get some updates from there. I mean, we've already seen it on social media, the 
everybody is watching what Jimbo and Nick have to say and, 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 in their interviews and whatnot. So that'll be another interesting storyline, but uh, yeah, look at, at scheduling NIL, um, you know, transfer portal, um, how, how they, how the SEC wants to move forward with obviously Texas and Oklahoma coming here in the next couple of years would uh, obviously be all topics of conversation. So it'll be very interesting to see what comes out of there. Okay, you and I are the tiebreakers. The SEC apparently has narrowed its proposed future scheduling down, format down to two options. And one is the eight-game league play. The other is the nine-game model. The eight-game would feature one common opponent each season with a rotating schedule of seven games. The nine-game model would feature three common opponents with six rotating games a year. I want the nine-game schedule. I want the three common opponents and the six rotating. I want more. I want better games on my schedule. I want more league games. Where, where does uh, Glenn West vote? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. I, I, I do think that there are a lot of people, a lot of fans who are kind of upset with the revolving door of the same opponents and having multiple of those same opponents, which is why mm-hmm. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they go back to doing the eight and having the one rotating, uh, you know, the one ro- common team. I mean, I my personal vote would probably be Florida. I think LSU Florida is just a – it's, it's their matchup. I think that's the, such a fun back-and-forth series that those two programs have. Um, but, you know, Florida also has a big rivalry with Georgia, and so it's going to be very interesting to see how that, you know, kind of shakes out and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, I do like the, the the nine model. If you want to kind of stick to a more of a traditional, uh, you know, kind of closer to what it is now. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I, I honestly – uh, was in favor of the pods. I know a lot of people were in favor of the pods, but it seems like that got you That's know X, X pretty quickly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, it's not. And I think it's going to be a huge wrinkle, whichever way they decide, one way or the other. I think they're going to get rid of divisions. I think yeah. it's going to be one like Very like welcome. basketball. Like it's going to be one big list and let's roll. Yeah, and that would also allow you to play all these teams very closely together and instead of having to wait four years to play a Vanderbilt or an eight years to play Georgia at Georgia kind of deal. I mean, LSU, I can't remember last time LSU played at Georgia. Um, you know, I remember it very, very well. I remember AJ green going up and catching one. I remember the year before AJ, okay. when, um, we, uh, Oh, it was when Saban was coaching as if, if I remember correctly. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a long time ago. Yeah, and even until last year when they played at Missouri, they had never played at Missouri before since Missouri had entered the SEC, which was like almost 10 years ago now. So I think this this new model really does is just kind of open things up. It kind of constricts, you know, when you're going to play these teams. I think you play these each team probably every two or three years now, and you obviously rotate in and on away and home. So uh, it's, a good, it's a good model, and it, uh, I'll be interested to see what comes out of it. I'm thrilled for you. So you're going to be covering everything that's anything when it comes to LSU sports. Everything that's everything. I mean, pretty much the same duties that I had before, but now I get to work with a great team over there, um, spearheaded by Sonny Ship, who's been yep. around business for a long time. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to do football, basketball, baseball recruiting, and we'll we'll certainly have a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about moving forward. I see LSU has a new tennis coach, an old guy that uh, played at LSU, coached at LSU, then he went to Wichita State, and now he's back uh, back in the fray, back with the family. 
I'm gonna have to brush up on my tennis. I haven't. I gotta be. I gotta be honest with you on that one. I haven't looked at the tennis recently, but uh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll I'll brush up on it for next. That is time. that is totally <laughs> totally understandable as you uh, uh migrate and learn learn things the the sunny ship way over there at two four seven sports. I think it's gonna be great. Uh, I think they're very fortunate to have you, uh, and there's no question that you will do a sensational job. So uh, there you go. Um, Good luck. Uh, have fun in Hattiesburg. You got the 20 minute drive. You know, you can go check in on those hotels. People, people cancel their reservation. You can go up there close and, and get in there, man. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I got, I'll help yeah. you out. I got, I got the reservation for two nights. And so there's a small chance they could play late Sunday, early Monday. And, you know, if I, if they, if that happens, I might be able to do, to nab a, a hotel inside yeah you'll be fine you'll you just uh, quit, okay. quit eating all that ballpark food man it's gonna get bad on you yeah i know i'll make i'll make it work for sure <laughs> all right um glad to have you back man thank you so much all the best to you we'll talk to you we'll keep this thing a regular we'll fi- we'll, we'll communicate and we'll figure it out okay Yes, sir. Next week sounds good. Thank you. You're the best. Glenn West right. of two four. I got to get used to this now. It's I not LSU through, country yeah. anymore. It's two four seven sports. Thank you, Glenn. Thank uh, you. I really do appreciate that. Um, let's see here. Uh, you know, you've heard it's the game's birthday, and this is your invitation. Now, what? How many companies invite anybody within ear range? You're all invited to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey Wednesday, June 22nd. There'll be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and of course, all your favorite personalities from 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. So come join us at B-Dubs Wednesday, June 22nd from 4 to 9 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday bash. And don't forget, Tuesdays always brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. Have you become a Buku Rewards member? It's it's that you get all awesome deals. Awesome deals if you're a loyal Buku Reward customer. Discount items are offered. Discount on every day inside inside the shop. And uh, also uh, a new and improved Buku Rewards app. Along with the current daily deals, ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets are expanding our clubs where you continue to save money. Plus, we're adding a fuel rewards program where you can earn a significant fuel fill-up discount just through your store purchases. Who wouldn't want that? And in addition, if you join our new Gator Gas program, you can even earn additional cents off per gallon on every fuel purchase. The new additions are here. They're up and running. So visit your local ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlet, get all the details, and sign up and save. We'll take a timeout when we come back. One of the greatest LSU Tiger hitters of all time, Todd Walker, will join us. We'll talk more about this uh, NCAA regional with the Tigers, the Cajuns, the Lions, and the Bulldogs all still in the dance. This is the Jordy Hultberg Show, uh, and you're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your Just let it shine through. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. 
back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, welcome back. 36 minutes after the hour. I think he's the greatest player in LSU baseball history. Um, led uh, Left LSU as the SEC's all-time leader in hits, RBIs, Runs scored, total bases, a uh, couple of World Series, uh, drafted very high, had a long, uh, long major league career. We welcome in uh, number 12, um, Jersey retired, uh, Mr. Todd Walker. Todd, thank you so much, man. How you doing? You're welcome, Jordy. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I know you're a tennis guy. Nadal leads uh, Djokovic um, uh, three three to one in the first set. So Rafa on the clay, tough to beat. Yeah, I'm about to turn that on. I just got home. I'm about to check it out. <laughs> um, LSU going to Hattiesburg to take on Southern Miss. I know you do SEC games, but um, what do you think of the Tigers this year? And seems to me. As I've said before, I mean, you can't take anything for granted, but seems like a very doable regional for LSU. Well, Jordy, uh, my take is that to win a championship, you got to have the talent, of course, and then you've got to stay healthy. Uh, there's an element of it in which you have to have people do what you don't expect them to do, and I think that's going to really be the case with LSU's, especially their, uh, their starters. So, see, they're going to have to piece together these games Ty Floyd's done a nice job as a starter. Uh, uh, Mikel Hilliard throws strikes and works fast. That's what you love about him. But mm-hmm. they don't have, you know, Jay Johnson doesn't have the luxury of just running three aces out there and just thinking right. that they're going to win. So they've got to piece it together. And so what they're going to have to have happen is somebody step up and do what they didn't expect them to do, whether it's, you know, uh, Dutton, who's had some starts this year, or Ventmeyer or, or, or uh, you know, Fontenot, one of these guys. Um, step up, and I don't mean we know they're good, but I mean get in there and dominate. And if right. you can do that, like Will Bednar did for Mississippi State last year in the College World Series, then you have a chance to win. But you can't predict that; you're just going to have to let it happen. So they're going to have to have some guys guys step up and start for them. We know the offense is good. Do they have enough offense to just outscore people? That's a great question too. I think they do, but the problem is, so does everybody else. Right. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of great offenses out there this year. And uh, uh, LSU's was supposed to be special. Like, I mean, like, you know, world class. And it's not world class. It's very good, uh, especially mm-hmm. if you if Doty's out and Jacob Berry misses any more time. I assume they'll both be back. But, back. Uh, but with back. a full, healthy offense, um, I think in the SEC, they were the sixth best team within the conference. You know, that's a great sample size of 30 games, the best in the country, you know. Uh, so you can get a really good idea of how good you really are just by taking the numbers from the SEC, the 30 games that they played in the conference. And I think mm-hmm. LSU is middle of the road offensively. Uh, their staff is a little better. Staff is top five, I think. Uh, so uh, baseball is all pitching, Jordy. I mean, you have to be able to throw it. And they do have the arms, but they just don't have those bona fide starters that you would like to have going into the postseason. Todd Walker with us. Nine from the SEC are in the NCAA baseball tournament. Um, you've seen a lot of really good teams. Uh, where do you put Tennessee? I've never seen such a such a gaudy record. I mean, they won the regular season going away. They win the conference tournament. How good are they? 
The only thing I would say is so did Arkansas last year. And they yeah, won the first game of their true. Super Regional 21-2. to And then within 48 hours, their season was over. There has not been a number one national seed win the College World Series since 1999. This whole thing started wow. with Super Regionals. Miami did it the first year. After that, there's never been a number one seed win it. So are, they're the best team in history right now. Statistically, Tennessee is the best team in history right now. Um, but we had this debate uh, a few weeks ago, and it was, can you can they be considered the best team of all time if they do not win the national championship? And so that's up to each everybody and each individual. My knee jerk is to say no, but you know, there's things that happen in baseball, and you like Arkansas's um, story last year. You can lose two games in a row real quick in baseball, no matter how good you are. So uh, uh, they're very good, Jordy, to answer your question. But the remaining um, the remaining postseason will tell you how good they really are. Right, right. This is when you make your name. There's no question about that. Todd Walker, kind enough to join us. Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, still in it. Um, give me a team that you really like that uh, besides Tennessee in this conference that you think has a chance to go a long way. I think Vanderbilt's going to do well in the regional. Um, they've got the staff, the pitching, like I said earlier. It's, baseball is all pitching. So if you start looking at the SEC in particular on, on the top staffs, you're looking at uh, LSU, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, uh, and Arkansas. Arkansas doesn't have three really good starters either, but they're kind of built like LSU, meaning they've got a lot of great bullpen arms. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're going to have to kind of piece it together where you see a starter go one time through the lineup, then you bring another guy in, you use five or six pitchers in a game. That type of thing is what you're probably going to see. Outside of somebody, again, doing something you don't expect. So I think that's kind of Arkansas's deal. But if you're asking me, I think Arkansas has a real shot. I like Vanderbilt. Um, okay. uh, I've got the Texas A&M Regional in College Station. So um, they can bash it around. That's an older group, juniors and seniors in that lineup. A lot of transfers, you know, uh, Jim Slosnagel in his first year at Texas A&M took over uh, from being at TCU the past 18 years. And ironically right. enough, TCU's in that regional this year. So that'll be interesting. But uh, uh, I like A&M. The staff's not really there. I mean, they got a high team ERA, and I just don't know if they can make a run uh, outside of Nathan Detmer, their, their, their ace. Um, but they can hit it. They, their offense is good. So uh, we'll see. You got to watch out for those raging Cajuns coming to College Station. There, they're kind of on a roll. They uh, dramatic win in the Sun Belt Conference tournament to to punch their ticket in. So, so that'll be interesting. Those crazy Cajuns, they'll they'll make the ride to uh, the College Station for sure. Well, and I'm a fan of Deggs. I'm uh, a big fan of uh, the, the head coach there, and uh, you know he did a lot of good things at Sam Houston. And yeah. you're right, anything can happen, Jordy, at this time of year, and somebody gets hot. Uh, Within what I'm saying, somebody does things you don't expect, and then your superstars do with what you expect. That's right. Uh, you can make a run. And that's what Todd Walker seemed to always do. Oh, it seemed like you always came up to bat in a late-game situation <laughs> with runners in scoring position, and you always delivered. I mean, it, it was amazing. Um, let me let me put your manager's cap on, okay? And I'm not sliding anyone. I'm not sliding Kennesaw State at all. But I've always had the belief that – 
that opening game. Yeah, you want to win it, but man, I, I think I put my 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 uh, my staff together in a way where my best picture pitches game two, if that makes sense to you. I think I can put my bullpen and give me three innings here, two innings here, one inning here, and let me get through Kennesaw State. Then we get to take on probably Southern Miss, and I'm going to throw Mikhail Hilliard at him. Does, do you agree, disagree? Is there any logic to that? Southern Miss has one of the best pitching staffs in the country, so you're going to have to really swing the bats against them. Uh, that's always the age-old question, Jordy. Uh, I've been in little travel ball situations where we wanted to save our ace uh, for game two, and we got beaten game one, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're in trouble. And so um, okay. there's a little less uh, hype going okay. into game two. I remember they did that with Alex Lang in the College World Series. If you remember, they saved him for game two. They lost game one. And then out, there just wasn't the same hype, and they got beat with Alex Lang. So, okay. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying you don't throw your ace, but that is always the biggest decision you're going to have to make. Now with Kennesaw State, you never want to underestimate anybody right. in the field of 64. They're all pretty right. good, and it is the game of baseball. Anybody can beat anybody. And since you're not thinking, it's not it's not let's 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 be honest, it's not Landon Marceau or Alex Lang. It's uh, you know Mikael Hilliard gives them their best chance to win. But I yeah. think Ty Floyd's done a pretty good job too. So if you throw McHale because you want to throw strikes against the team that might you might look at as inferior, I might go ahead with McHale here, uh-huh. and then uh, and then go from there just based on the makeup of that team in particular. Again, it's not like you got Roger Clemens throwing game yeah. one, and That's then you right. got a lot of other guys. You know, it's That's it's right. uh, uh, has been good, but he's not like he's those. not you know like best in the nation good. I like those old LSU teams that just you could put three names in a hat and pick any one of them, and you wouldn't be slighted in any way, shape, or form because number two and three are just as good, and they're all good. Uh, I miss those days. We don't have that right now, but but we shall see. Well, look, Todd, I, I, look, I'll let you go watch the French Open. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, have fun in uh, College Station. Um, tell Jimbo to calm down a little bit, will you? Tell him to chill out and relax a little bit. He's got $9 million a year in the bank. Just tell him to relax. Don't get all bad out of shape all right yeah i was a little disappointed in that reaction as well i mean we're grown men and you're right i mean if if, you got a lot of problems money's not one of them then you shouldn't be uh you shouldn't be bickering back and forth like that but it is what it is that's a different sport i'm not worried about that of your major league career and i'll let you get out on this one what was your favorite um what was your favorite team your favorite city um of all of the teams that you played for where would you if you could go back and do it one more time where would you want to go play well that's where i was lucky jordy because i got to play in boston and i got to play in new york or sorry in in chicago so i i I, if i had to pick one of the two that's a tough one but i really really enjoyed my time in chicago and mainly because of the day games like it's hard to beat a day game in wrigley uh during the summer uh, you know, for a baseball environment. I mean, it's just, it was too cool. And uh, I think if I had to pick one, it'd be Chicago. Can't beat it with a stick. Todd Walker, thank you, my friend. Have a great uh, call of the games uh, at the regionals at Texas A&M. We re- really do appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you, Jordy. Talk soon. Hi, right, buddy. You take care. Todd Walker, what a great player. I mean, a great player. 
player. If you want to see the Astros in person, then just listen up. Uh, the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, you're listening to the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? Wash your hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you can hit my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're back 51 minutes after the hours. We wrap up our number one coming up. Our number two, Chris Connor from at the bird rights will join us. We'll talk NBA hoops, the golden state warriors, Boston Celtics, the last two survivors battling it out. Game one Thursday in the Bay of San Francisco. And we'll see uh, what happens along those lines. And Bob Rose of the saints news network will join us. We'll discuss all things NFL, such as uh, uh, defensive tackle Aaron Donald, who says he'd be at peace with his career if he and the Los Angeles Rams can't agree on a new contract. Uh, the Rams have acknowledged that they're working on a new contract with Donald, who has signed through the 2024 season, but has no guaranteed money left on his deal. Um so Donald has decided to return for the 2023 season. Uh, but Donald indicated that his return is contingent on getting a new deal. Um, hmm. He's a great player. He's only 31 years old. Still got some time left in him. Um, so we'll see. We shall see. He was uh, he was spectacular in that Super Bowl, uh, for sure, for sure. So we'll see. Um, elsewhere in the NFL, um, a Colorado judge dismissed all charges against Denver Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy today. Judy was arrested earlier this month on a misdemeanor domestic violence charge. Those have all been um, dismissed. So there you go. Um, in the NBA draft, there's all kinds of mock drafts coming up. And, uh, you know, whether it's Jabari Smith going number one or uh, from Auburn or Chet Holmgren going number one from Gonzaga or uh, Paolo Banquero from Duke going number one. It's to pick your poison, take your chance and see what happens. Um, uh, there's a lot of opportunity. I think there's going to be a really good player at number eight. Um, and let me throw another name out there because uh, the Pels need shooting. They need shooting to surround Zion, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCullum, who happens to be um, going to be doing some analyst work 
uh, for ESPN uh, with the draft and the summer league coming up. Uh, I'm going to throw a name out there from Duke, A.J. Griffin. 66222. He's going to be 19 in August, but he already has an NBA ready body. Uh, Griffin knocked down half of his three pointers in his freshman year at Duke, half of them. Um, so the NBA ready body. The, the ability to knock down shots, the ability cr- to create his own offense, uh, all help. He wasn't the greatest of defenders, but he has the body, the, the strength, and the wingspan to excel at that end. So put that in your memory bank. Um, A.J. Griffin, um, a small forward who can knock down shots. And that's what the Pels need in this draft, without question, without doubt. We're brought to you by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. Let me try and explain this Buku Rewards again to you. It's very simple, and it's very easy. And you will earn points to save you money. You can you can save on deals inside the store each and every day. Okay, you join the fuel rewards program where you can earn a significant fuel fill up discount just through your store purchases. So you buy something inside, you go get your gas, boom, you get a discount. Now in addition, if you join the new Gator Gas program, you can earn additional cents off per gallon on every fuel purchase. I don't know what it costs you to fill up your vehicle, but man, I'm up in the 80s. I'm up in the 80s. It is absurd. And unfortunately, I think it's only going up and up and up some more. Always does in the summertime. Always. So um, go to ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets and you can save. You can save in the store. You can save at the pump. You can save everywhere okay we've got one hour down we've got one hour to go we'll talk nba hoops we'll talk uh saints if you missed anything uh from our number one glenn west todd walker you can always go on facebook and you can find that you can go to 1037 thegamecom 1041thegame.com on demand and find it there so hit us up twitter hit us up facebook all those things you know we're, we're here we're there wherever we got much smarter people than i that know how to deal with all that stuff so let them uh, uh j- just go follow us go find us we got all kinds of stuff and you get to win all kinds of free stuff if you do all right this is the jordy helpert show and you're listening to the game on 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the houston astros in southwest louisiana Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like-
like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go. A lot of emphasis on college baseball as their NCAA tournament gets underway on Friday. But the NBA gets their final two. The, uh, the finals begin on Thursday. Oh, update. Rafa Nadal won the first set over Novak Djokovic. Um, and they're into the second set now at uh, Roland Garros. Of course, there's a time difference, so it's at night over there. Nice temperatures. It's uh, it's good, but uh, Nadal, tough to beat on the clay. Anyway, uh, we've got the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors for supremacy of the association. So let's get started. Hour number two with our good friend Chris Connor from At The Bird Rights. Let's talk some hoops. Chris, man, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? I'm all right, man. Always, always a pleasure to be back on here, man. What's going on with you? Oh, I'm good, man. It's uh, um, they, they got to be the two best teams because they're the the last two teams standing. Um, I, I didn't anticipate these two to make it to the finals. I, I really thought Golden State could. I didn't pick Boston, but Boston's really surprised me. Man, they're good. They're good. And you know what, though, you know, Jordy, uh, you know, they get a lot of attention as most talented teams do with that, with that level of uh, of top end talent. Jalen Brown, high draft pick, Jason Tatum, high draft pick, and some of the other guys they've ended up bringing in. But you know, they play, you know, the way that you would, you know, most teams that have to um, that don't have that kind of talent play. They play together. They get others involved. You see guys like Al Horford uh, come in and and and, yes. and uh, contribute. And they have, you know, a long, a laundry list of players off the bench down to Peyton Pritchard and uh, Derek yeah. White, just solid guys. So, you know, you know, you put that in this, you put that next to some of the superstar abilities that they have out there, and the way that they play defense, and the way that they communicate, and led by uh, Ime Udoka, who has championship experience as a as a player with San Antonio. It's a deadly mm-hmm. combination. Uh they got they got uh, Marcus Smart, and apparently um, Marcus Smart has been very very effective against uh, Steph Curry. So um, Marcus Smart does a tremendous job defensively. He, I know I know Jason Tatum is their main guy and Jalen Brown, but man, right after that, you got to put Marcus Smart as, as 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 a level of importance to a team's success. When he's not in there, it's a whole different club. You know, I mean, I mean, uh, forgive me for forgetting about the the reigning defensive player of the year, man. Um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, Marcus brings a you know a sense of intensity uh, that I think with any team, uh, every team should be, you know should have any team that makes it to the finals is going to have a level of of really good talent. They're going to be coached well to some capacity, but you also need players like Marcus Smart who don't, you know, who can step up when called upon, but do a bunch of the the smaller things and just bring you a different sense of set of edge, um, a different set of uh, just, I guess, attitude. And that's one of the yeah. things that he brings them. I mean, he's yeah. there, you know, in a lot of ways, he's very similar to what Draymond Green gives uh, Golden State. So, um, I mean, I'm really intrigued in this matchup. I think a lot of people, including myself, think Golden State will win. But when you look around the league, Boston is one of the teams that, you know, you would say defensively at least, they have enough guys in total perimeter defenders that can deal with the buzzsaw that is Golden State. I'm not they're gonna you no one's gonna shut them down, but when you have 
when you have Derek White coming off the bench, when you have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Small, all really good defenders. You know, I mean, uh, most most teams can't can't throw that at a Golden State when you have to deal with that level um, of offense from Clay, Steph, and now Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, and company. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, man, so many good players and so many role players that understand you mentioned them. How about Grant Williams coming off the bench for, for the Boston yeah. Celtics? It was terrific at Tennessee back in the day, and he has just been uh, – he, he knows what he does and he knows how to do it. But but when you've got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, uh, that that's uh, – that's pretty formidable, you know what I mean, and that, that that's what we have to look at with the Pelicans. Are they, you know, how do you feel about the Pels and what they've assembled, and what do they still need to get to the level of these teams? So, you know, it's difficult, right? Because you know we've been talking about it all year. Uh, you know, one of the more exciting elements when you think about this Pelicans team going forward is what Zion can, how Zion fits, right? He he doesn't, they did a lot of hefty lifted on their own, right, with welcoming in T.J. McCollum, and we saw what Jonas Valanciunas did, the way the rookies came in, Herb Jones, and the superstar caliber, all-star worthy year that Brandon Ingram put together when he was on the floor. So they're not in a position where they necessarily need Zion Winston. They, they did something where um, that in Zion's previous years, he hadn't been able to see, right? So they proved from that perspective, we're good there. But what Zion allows them to do going forward is just to be completely, I guess, indefensible, right? He allows them to have the opportunity to think beyond just the first round. He allows them to think about contention. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's very interesting. So I think when, you, when you're talking about what they need going forward, it's really hard to really know until you put him back on the floor, when you put him back on the floor, their needs may change. You know, we may be talking about maybe another position maybe has to change. Maybe it's how you view what they do at center. Maybe um, some smaller lineups end up working in years in which they didn't with Zion at the five because of the level of length and athleticism and defensive options you have with Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, you know, and so on and so forth, and what we've seen from Jose Alvarado at the point of attack. So, um, you know, that's, a, that's an element there. Uh, I think if I had to guess based off the way the roster is currently constructed, I do think you need another guard off the bench. I would specifically say, you know, maybe a backup shooting guard. And, you know, we'll see. Because, I mean, I think the starting lineup deserves the, you know, the the projected starting lineup deserves and will be given this opportunity to uh, really see what they can do. But I would say off the bench, I think they need a, a backup too. And maybe another, you know, another another center, another big man. or But, whether they choose to do that through the draft or they trade for one, um, or maybe they, they sign someone to a cheap deal in the uh, free agency. But that's mm-hmm. what I'll be looking at. As it's currently constructed, um, not the starters, and, and we know it's going to be McCullum and Herb Jones, and uh, in, in theory, if everybody's healthy, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and Jonas Valanciunas. Um, after that, when you look at the bench, 
is that a, is that a bench that you feel comfortable with or do you do you make a trade do you how, how does jackson hayes get on the floor uh Devontae graham was that just an anomaly or you got him because you thought he was a great shooter but he certainly didn't turn out to be one you know i really believe trey murphy's going to make a quantum leap and is going to become a really good player and jose alvarado is a really good player um what do you think of the bench uh, you know, it, it's again. I mean, even that's even that's tough, right? Because you know, if you can, the bench that what you saw this year, where you had to stagger CJ and Bi for a lot, or you know, it, it changes welcoming in Zion. So now you have situations where you can have Zion and maybe CJ, or Zion and Bi, or Zion and Jonas, or you know, CJ. Like 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 your the type of groupings that you can put together completely change. And then there's the element of Yes, those rookies that you know Trey, Jose, and and, and Herb all made meaningful, um, you know, contributions at some point during the year, some longer than others. But um, you know, what would they look like in year two? Really understanding what it means to play in the league and working on some of the weaknesses that were put on film from last year. Um, you know, you would assume Devontae Graham is going to work hard and he's going to want to improve and prove himself going forward. I don't think he's going in, going anywhere as we stand today, but that could change. Um, there's the element of, you know, maybe maybe Kyron Lewis comes back and surprises people and they get and they can fully figure out what that what what type of investment that they can get long term out of a guy they drafted with the 14th overall pick um a couple of years back, I believe. I mean, there's a lot of questions there and then, you know, and then you look at Larry Nance. You you have an idea of what you're getting from him. You have Najee Marshall. There's a lot of pieces there and a lot of guys I like. Saxon Hayes, does he improve enough to where, you know, you're talking about, well, no, we need to be looking at his future as a as a center. If he's a center, that changes a lot of different things because now you have to be looking at him as a guy you surely want to find a way to keep long term. Or maybe they decide even even as a power forward. We'll, we'll extend them now, and we'll figure out the rest later. I don't know what they do there. I think as we stand today, I think he fits in as a four. But welcoming back in Zion, and like we mentioned Larry Nance already, you know Trey Murphy played small ball four. Is there, you know, how many minutes are left for Jackson? I, you know, it's a I lot of, so many different questions. But if, you, if I had to stand here today, if Zion, B.I., and C.J. McCollum are healthy, I'm comfortable with the bench as it currently stands, even if I think some changes or some additions need to be, uh, you know, put forward. Because, like I said, I, I, and I've been, you know, kind of feeling this way for a while now. I don't think – I think the ability to put that kind of offensive firepower on the floor is going to be overwhelming. And it's going to allow them to really put pressures on teams in which – Pelicans haven't been able to do from this perspective in a very long time. So the shots some of these other yeah. guys are going to get are going to be, you know, some of the most, they're going to be shots they can't get in practice. And that should translate well to the bench as well, boost some confidence, um, you know, of some guys that may need it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be a real interesting summer, I'll tell you that. I'm with you, Chris Connor at the Bird Rights. All right, NBA draft pals, pick number eight. Uh, give me a name that intrigues you that you think would be a great fit in New Orleans. What do you think? Dyson Daniels is the guy that I that I've kind of you know looked at. Um, you know, I've I've watched some film on on um, you know a bunch of different individuals. You know, been been Matthew and AJ Griffin. Um, you know, even down to Jalen Jalen Duran. Even some individuals that maybe you could you could talk yourself into them trading back for, but 
Um, I mean, I'm really a fan of Dyson Daniels. He reminds me, in, in a lot of ways, ironically, of what Lonzo Ball um, eventually turned into as more of a connector than necessarily, you know, a long-term point guard guy who uh, sets up and runs your offense and dictates things from that manner. But, you know, I look at Dyson Daniels coming out the G League, man, um, you know, getting getting in, you know, a heads up on what it on what it means to be somewhat to be a professional playing with former professionals and some or some current professionals, uh, depending on where they where they play in other markets when they're not playing in G League, you know, in G League basketball, um, in his game, and it just it just fits what the current team is. They don't need another guy who's gonna who's gonna take the ball out of some of these individuals' hands. They need a dude that knows how to make the right play at the right time, and someone if you want to make Willie Green rotation and and going forward not just not to say he's gonna he would play right away this year but if he plays down the line it looks like really wants guys that can defend and that that just seems like the best attribute that you can like defense for most teams is gonna is gonna end up getting you and earning you minutes getting you on the floor but he's a guy who can defend right now i think at a really good level um he makes he makes a lot of the right passes he has a he looks to have a really good basketball iq can uh, can get to the paint, and I think we'll continue to develop that. And his jump shot isn't broken. I like the size as well. So you know, Dyson Daniels will be a dude that I would necessarily pick that I will go for because I don't necessarily know if, if 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 they will need whoever they draft at eight to contribute right away. Anyway, if you know, Lord willing, they they're able to stay healthy. So, um, but going forward, he's a guy I'd be excited about. All right, uh, Chris Connor at the Bird Rights. You got Golden State winning this thing in how many games? Uh, I have Golden State in six. Um, okay. I, I really like what Boston what Boston is doing. Uh, I just think, man, you know, Golden State. Uh, no matter what you put what you put out there, as as talented as Boston is, as good as they are defensively, um, I think Golden State. We don't talk enough about what how they how good they are defensively. Yes, and, you're right. You know, we, you know, we saw Boston go under stresses against even Miami where they turned the ball over too much. They were too lack of days to go. Well, you can't do that against Golden State because you know they have the ability to turn those for into a lot more a lot more opportunities of scoring than Miami were able to. Too much Jimmy Butler, you know, and a lot of the others weren't able to step up consistently. Well, Golden State has a lot of those guys. Andrew Wiggins being the one who's been turning it on lately. So, you know what Jordan Poole can do. It's just, I just think that it's overwhelming. And, you know, Golden State has been, um, you know, they, they've kind of been able to put this together from the op- you know, from opening night. They didn't back against Los Angeles Lakers. It feels like their year. Um, and I think it's just too much for a team to have to deal with right now, especially in their first NBA Finals. Um, Golden yeah. State is, you know, has, you know, they've been here. They're well coached. They have, you know, uh, a guy who's been there as a player and as a coach multiple times is Steve Kerr. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he told me Boston ends up winning a championship in the next few years uh, with their core and how young they are. But I think it's time for Golden State to, uh, you know, get back Uh, where they have been aiming to um, and win another championship. All right, Chris, I can't thank you enough, man. Uh, go enjoy the series, and let's wait for the upcoming draft. It should be very interesting for our Pelicans. So uh, thank you as always. Man, anytime, man. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. You take care. There's a stat of uh, the Warriors have 123 games of finals experience amongst them. 123. The Boston Celtics have 
zero, zero. So experience, it plays a big part. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard Seafood Patio has some of the best boiled crawfish, but also serves up boiled shrimp, boiled crabs, fried and grilled seafood, pole boys, and a seafood buffet. Go sign up for the game club us at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show, and you're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. When we turn, re- return uh, the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose after this timeout. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Good afternoon, sir. How the heck are you? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm doing fantastic. I hope you and your family are doing the same. We're doing okay. You had a good uh, Memorial Day holiday and all that? I did. I did. And, uh, you know, my uh, my well wishes and thoughts go out to all you families out there uh, who have had family members or friends who have not only served, but especially loved ones who have lost their lives in any uh, in any combative activity for the United States. Just kind of curious. Um, you know, these are the dog days. We're waiting for uh, the real stuff to start. But, you know, players are working out. They're doing the thing. They got the OTAs going. And um, um, you wrote an article and I want to delve into it a little bit about pressure. Um, got a first year head coach, new head coach. He's had some experience in the past on a very, very bad team. And he cut his teeth there and learned some things. Um, and you've got a quarterback coming off of an injury. Who's um, on a short-term deal, uh, trying to make his name, trying to stake his claim as one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. So from a, from a pressure perspective in this year one, who's under the most Dennis Allen or Jameis Winston? And Jordy, that's a fantastic debate for anybody. Uh, and like you said, you know, I did write an article about it on SI.com and Saints News Network this morning uh, that was published. In my opinion, Jameis Winston is under the more pressure uh, than what Dennis Allen is. Don't get me wrong. Allen is going to be under tremendous pressure, too. And he has one heck of a shadow to fall uh, to, uh, to walk out from under. And, the, and that is Sean Payton. Uh, but I think with the Saints, the, the Saints have now evolved into the type of organization with ownership and a front office that w- is going to have patience in their head coach. Uh, and we couldn't always say that about this organization, as you know. Uh, so I think unless the bottom absolutely falls out on the Saints, knock on wood, uh, in 2022, uh, that Dennis Allen is going to be given a little bit of leeway to build and evolve his own program of doing things. Therefore, it's Jameis Winston that I think is going to be under the more pressure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. both men are going to be under yeah. tremendous pressure from the fan base. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the, uh, the, the front office uh, and specifically ownership. Winston is under a two-year contract, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a very team-friendly deal. Therefore, if he plays poorly, the Saints don't lose anything whatsoever if they decide to pursue a new quarterback in 2023. And when you look at what the Saints have given Jameis this offseason, they gave him a new left tackle to replace Armstead. 
He'll have, uh, obviously, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara returning a wonderful offensive line. And yeah. they used the first-round draft pick on Chris Olave. And, oh, by the way, Jameis, here's a five-time Pro Bowl wide receiver in Jarvis Landry. There is literally zero excuses for Jameis Winston to not be a full-blown success. Uh, and therefore, I think if the team does narrowly miss the playoffs uh, or bow out, you know, if they have a first round uh, early exit from the postseason and Jameis plays inconsistently all year long, all fingers are going to be pointing to number two. I'm with you. Um, I don't think there's any question. People don't, you know, coaches are one thing, but players are everything. And the mm -hmm. quarterback is everything on your team. And, and I, I think all the pressure in the world will be on uh, on Jameis Winston. And I'm just, um, you know, he's been in this system for a couple of years now. Yep. And he's, he's, he's waited patiently. He's done all the right things. You know, yeah. he's done all the right things off the field. Um, uh, apparently the locker room loves him. Mm -hmm. uh, he's fun and, and, you know, but when it's time to take care of business, he take, takes care of business. I don't see why so many people don't think he can be successful. I don't understand it either, Jordy. I mean, you know, if, if you just listen to this kid talk or you know, have a chance to sit in on an interview with him, I don't see how you couldn't root for the kid. I mean, he is just, I, yes, I understand his past. Uh, and, you know, that's certainly reason for concern. But he has matured so much, even in his two plus years with the Saints. Uh, and, you know, if you just focus at the player on the field, yes. He has been plagued with turnovers throughout his career, but he has been one of the most productive passers year in and year out uh, you know, during his short term uh, career in the NFL. Uh, yeah, he could put up 300 yards with the best of them. Uh, he's on a very, very short list of players that have thrown for 5,000 yards in a season. Uh, yeah, he's, I've watched him while with Tampa Bay uh, lead some very, very impressive two minute drives uh, you know, to tie or take the lead late in ball games. Games. I just think this kid has not yet put it all together in the same package. And I understand the questions and the doubts. Oh, you know, I don't think he could be a championship quarterback. Well, yeah, you know, you don't think that because he hasn't been one yet. But this is the finest group of talent that he has been around really by far on both sides of the football. Uh, yeah. And it's a more, it's a franchise that is used to playing in big games. Uh, you know, so therefore it's not going to be all on Jameis's shoulders, but I think he is more than capable of being a very talented cog in a championship machine. I'm with you. Um, the tight end position we've talked about a little bit. Um, look, the Saints, for some reason, believed that Adam Troutman was going to be a big-time player. Um, he had a pretty good rookie season. Uh, I believe he had some injuries. I uh, had to deal with some injuries in 2021, but he's healthy now. Uh, this is a big opportunity for him. I mean, he's got to fight off Taysom Hill. He's got to fight off Nick Vanette, and uh, he's got to fight off an undrafted rookie in Lucas Crow. Um, the Saints, again, drafted him for a reason. They thought, yeah. should we give up on Adam Troutman? Is he done? No, I don't think it's it, it, it's not even close to giving up on Adam Troutman time yet. Uh, and I've been as hard on that man as much as anybody yeah. uh, in, my, in my writings, as you know. Uh, New Orleans gave up four draft picks. Granted, they were day three draft picks, but they still gave up four draft picks in order to move into position to draft him in the first place. Exactly. Then, like you said, after a promising rookie year, 
you know, they waved bye-bye to Jared Cook, shoved him out the door. Good riddance, 87. Uh, you know, here, Adam Troutman, here's the keys to the starting tight end position. Uh, and, and he flopped. Uh, like you pointed out, injuries were a part of that. Uh, but I think, I, I think Adam Troutman revealed himself to be a little bit less of a player than what a lot of us thought that he would. He's not going to be the next Jimmy Graham. He's certainly no Travis Kelsey or you know, Zach Ertz, you know, fill in blank here. But I think the Saints feel confident that he can be an, uh, an every down in line tight end. And by that, uh, what I mean by that is he can handle the blocking responsibilities. He could be a short yardage target, a check down option for Jameis Winston. Uh, I think it's very clear that this team intends on having its passing attack revolve around obviously Alvin Kamara, but now what is looks like a very deep receiving core. So Adam Troutman is not going to be confused with the Kelsey's Ertz's, uh, you know, Hunter Henry's and you know, anybody else of the world. Uh, but I think that he does have the capability to be a blocking and uh, a blocking tight end and short yardage guy that will fit so, in for what the saints want to do now. So does that take some of the, uh, in other words, does he fight off a Taysom Hill because of what the saints have uh, in the wide receiver room, what they have coming out of the backfield? Does that make Taysom Hill a little less important as a tight end and more important in the role that he's always played for the saints? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, and, you know, I, and you and I have talked about Taysom Hill and the tight end conversion. We both believe uh, yeah, that that's just going to be a name only. He is still going to be, you know, Taysom, that is, is still going to be moved around the formation a lot, uh, used out of the backfield. And why wouldn't you? I mean, the guy is a heck of a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, therefore, you know, it, Trout, Troutman and Taysom Hill competing for the same spot uh, is just a, it, it's a phantom comparison. Uh, yeah, Taysom Hill snaps are going to be coming from being utilized all over the formation, as you suggested. Troutman is going to have to hold off Lucas Crawl, Jawan Johnson, and maybe even Nick Vanette, because those are going to be the players that Pete Carmichael is want, going to want to play on early downs, set the edge in the running game. Uh, you know, if we go to a play action pass, then you better be able to get separation in that five to eight yard uh, you know, at range where Jameis can check out down to you or hit you on a rollout on a play action bootleg. Uh, you know, that that's going to be what the role of you know, Troutman, Jawan Johnson, Lucas crawl play real quickly. Um, before we go to break, uh, offensive line, um, you're set with Eric McCoy at center. You're set with Andrus Pete and Cesar Ruiz at the guards. You got Ryan J- Ramchek at the right tackle. You got a lot of expectation on Trevor Penning. If he doesn't pan out, then you got James Hurst. Is there good depth here with Throckmorton and Forrest Lamp? Is there? Do you have enough quality depth here for an offensive line to thrive knowing the schedule that you face uh, throughout the course of the year. Yeah, Jordy, I think there's outstanding depth here. Uh, and, you know, that comes with the caveat that, you know, Pete is, you know, is seemingly going to miss just like Armstead. Right. Pete is going to miss at least six to eight games every right. year. Right. Uh, it comes with the caveat that Trevor Penning uh, you know, is going to win the starting job at tackle sooner rather than later. Uh, if those two things happen, you have James Hurst as your sixth offensive lineman. He would start for the three quarters of the teams in the NFL. 
Throckmorton really impressed me uh, and you know, many other people as a starter uh, at guard, replacing Pete last year. Uh, James Hurst can play either guard or tackle. Uh, you have Forrest Lamp, a guard with a lot of starting experience. Yep. And don't forget about Landon Young. He was a six-round draft pick last year, but coaches love him. Huh. Uh, yeah, they love his footwork and athleticism, and he has the ability to play uh, either right tackle or left tackle. So, yeah, I think yeah, if, if Pete stays relatively healthy, knock on wood, right. uh, and Penn wins the job sooner <laughs> rather than later, then I think there's outstanding depth here. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll go to the defensive side of the ball, maybe one of the biggest strengths of the club, the defensive line, as we continue on the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose here on the Jordy Hulkberg Show. And you are listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We'll be right back. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 31st, 1985. Ownership of the New Orleans Saints is transferred from John W. Meekham Jr. to Tom Benson. The price tag for the NFL franchise, $70.2 million. Benson also becomes managing general partner of the franchise. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Jordy Helper Show brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. Bob Rose, Saints News Network for the Black and Gold Report, part two, as we roll along on this uh, last day of May. Hard to believe. Uh, Bob, we talked a little bit about the offense and some of the depth uh, questions there. When you shifted over to the defense, Dennis Allen's forte, you got to start up front. And when you have a starting four of Cameron Jordan, David Anyamata, Shai Tuttle, and Marcus Davenport, backed up by Carl Granderson, Malcolm Roach, Contavious street and peyton turner just to name a few that's got to be one of your strengths of your club right oh you better believe it uh and you left out to know passing you uh yes. as good as anybody uh, anybody that you named this defensive line is going to cause all kinds of havoc for opponents this year uh, and that's been the key to the Saints defense the last four or five years uh, is putting pressure on not necessarily just quarterbacks, but opposing backfields in general. Uh, you know, the running game and the passing game for the opposition. Uh, you know, and, you know, th this group is not only chock full of disruptive players and talented depth, but they're versatile. You know, guys like Passigno, Davenport, Peyton Turner. Uh, you know, Cam Jordan, they can move inside on obvious passing downs. David Onyemata, the last year and a half or so, uh, you know, outside of his suspension, right. uh, we've seen him work some at defensive end. Uh, you know, Contavious Street that came over from the 49ers. Uh, you know, he's another one of those guys like Onyemata, athletic enough to play inside or outside. So these guys are going to be coming at opposing quarterbacks and opposing running backs from every direction possible. Uh, and you know, who are you going to double team? Uh, you know, what two players are you going to double team if you're the opposition? What player are you going to roll the dice and say, you know what, we're going to go single, uh, you know, single covered blocking on, you know, so-and-so, you know, title street on Yamada, whoever the case may be. Uh, and then you watch them, you know, uh, uh, blow up your blocking schemes. This defensive front is as good as anybody in the National Football League. <laughs> 
I'm with you. Bob Rose, St. Stu's Network linebackers. It all starts in the middle with Demario Davis. You're very, very high on Pete Werner after that rookie season. They expect him to really, really improve. Uh, the the Sam linebacker, um, is it Zach Vaughn? Is it Caden Ellis? Um and, and I think I think DeMarco Jackson has got the ingredients as a rookie to be an impactful player and maybe the heir apparent to Demario Davis when Demario, fi- you know, when father time finally catches up. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, you know, I'm a huge fan of DeMarco Jackson. Yeah. Uh, and that's the player that he reminded me of when I was you know, uh, looking at his pre-draft film. That. Yeah. Was yeah. DeMario Davis. Uh, and yeah, first of all, let's hope that Father Time never catches up with number 56. because <laughs> he, right. he, he just looks so good out there. Uh, but I, I'd like to think that DeMarco is uh, is going to see some playing time uh, in base defenses and in important situations even this year. Uh, but there's certainly no better mentor uh, you know, that you could ask for a young football player than uh, uh, Demario Davis. Uh, and don't think for one second that Cam Jordan isn't going to play a pivotal role in that mentorship also. Right, right. Uh, you know, outside of that, i got to believe that if this team opened the season tomorrow, uh, if they open with three linebackers in their base defense, <laughs> you got to think it's going to be Caden Ellis. Uh, but that depth really scares you because Zach yeah. Vaughn, in my opinion, has been out of position since the moment Saints drafted him. That's why I can't see them going a 4-3 defense. I can see yeah. a 4-2-5 uh, because as strong as the interior, the front line is, uh, when I rattle off names, Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the slot, and your safeties, Teran Matthew and Marcus May, backed up by P.J. Williams and J.T. Gray. I, I, I just think, how can you keep a C.J. Gardner-Johnson off the field? I mean, you got to play five defensive backs. He, he's as good as a as a tackler up front close to the line as as any linebacker is i think right you better believe it yeah you better believe it and uh, you know if not him if you're going to utilize uh you know gardner johnson more in coverage then you can move tyron matthew or marcus may up into the tackle box yeah, yeah. Uh, or pj williams as you said uh and again you know you you rattled off six or seven names and we're keeping a you know, a former starter for a super bowl champion bradley roby on the bench you're right uh, you know, yeah i right. absolutely believe uh, you know, the, you know, the Saints more often than not are going to run with five defensive backs and only two linebackers uh, because I just think, yeah, the, it's football one on one. You want to keep your best players on the field uh, on the field uh, and your best players are you know, as far as a unit goes are more in your secondary than your linebacking core. Uh, and when you have a Matthew and a CGJ and you know, a, a PJ that you can move, and even Marcus May that you can move all over the field, you do exactly that with them. Um, it, it, from all reports I got, uh, the honey badger was exactly what the saints were hoping for. Um, just a guy that players gravitate toward, um, he, look, he's just a leader, uh, and he's going to take a leadership role in the back end of the, se- uh, of the secondary. I just think, and we've talked about this for, it was just a perfect fit. Timing is everything. And I think the time for him to be in New Orleans with the need that they had there, I just think it's a perfect fit. I really do. Yeah, you couldn't be more right. Uh, and listen, as good a player as Marshawn Lattimore is, he's not the kind of guy that just stands up in that meeting room and just takes over the entire unit like a Cam Jordan or Demario Davis 
or what they lost in Malcolm Jenkins. And I think that leadership void would have been a bigger loss than people realize. And I think that's why they targeted Tyron Matthew when they did and not earlier in free agency. The Saints knew uh, before the rest of the public that Malcolm Jenkins was going to retire. They just let this thing play out. We already know because you and I talked about it. I think you were one of the first ones to report it that Matthew was in the building in the Saints facilities even before the draft so you know the the team and the player were setting the ground were uh, the the ground foundation work for this move uh yeah and yeah you know Tyron Matthew may not play out the full three years of his contract terms but he doesn't need to uh, yeah, he, he's he continues to play at a high level, but I think just as important as his playing skill onto the field is his going is going to be his locker room leadership because yeah, Adebo, Alante, Taylor, those are still very young and impressionable guys, uh, and I think Tyron Matthew at this stage of his career and his life is going to be a great mentor for them. And when you look at the kicking game, uh, is there a better one-two punch than Will Lutz kicking field goals and Blake Gillikin punting the ball? I mean, that's a pretty good combination there. Yeah, I can't I, I can't name you one better. Uh, you know, I miss Thomas Morstead, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how Lutz adjusts to Gillikin as a holder. Remember, he didn't get that opportunity last year because Will was hurt. Uh, yeah, that that is going to be one aspect to keep an eye on, along with Will the the health of Will Lutz. Uh, but assuming he bounces back to top form, uh, I think Gillikin showed that he could be it is a Pro Bowl caliber punter. The kicking game is in very very strong hands for the New Orleans Saints. And you're always high uh, on uh, the return specialist um, who doubles as a wide receiver, Deontay Hardy. He's uh, he's pretty electric when given the time and given the opportunity. Yeah, he absolutely is. I don't think you can name me five players in the NFL uh, that are more electric in the open field with the football than Deontay Hardy. Uh, and I guarantee you he is a feared return man uh i know his numbers dipped a little bit last year but he he had logged such a high offensive snap count that it does affect a smaller guy like him uh and you know it it kind of gave way in the return game a little bit i expect to see a whole lot of big plays from deontay hardy in the kick return kickoff return and punt return game uh in 2022 um with i just don't understand why why teams aren't aren't very high on the saints that's fine with me that's good right that's good let them sleep on them um within the division the tampa bay buccaneers made a deal they reached a one-year deal with former lsu tiger uh akeem hicks which probably means the end of indomitian sue uh as a buccaneer I-, I think akeem hicks is pretty darn good football player what do you think oh i agree with you uh i mean he is he, Akeem is in the last stages of his career, uh, but I think as long as he doesn't log a high snap count, mm-hmm. he's going to be an effective player for them. He's certainly a, a very, very good pass rusher uh, and run defender. Uh, and he, uh, Akeem is going to be surrounded with all kinds of talent in Tampa Bay on those edges. Uh, where he's going to have some single blocking opportunities on the interior. Uh, and yeah, I agree. Yeah, he is the same exact kind of player as Ndamukong Sue. So I don't see the Bucks bringing Sue back. Uh, I think Sue showed his age a little bit last year. And even though they don't get a whole lot younger in Akeem Hicks, I think Akeem Hicks has a little bit more football left in him. Uh, and we, uh, we know how he feels about playing against the New Orleans Saints. So he's going to be fired up twice a year for sure. I've got to ask uh, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network your thoughts on Colin Kaepernick. Um, He worked out for the Las Vegas Raiders. They said his arm strength and his conditioning stood out. But 
No signing was imminent. Uh, the Raiders already have Derek Carr. They traded for former New England Patriot quarterback Jarrett Stidham, and they signed Nick Mullins. So is this all just a big pomp and circumstance show, or do you think Colin Kaepernick will ever play in the NFL again? I don't think Colin Kaepernick will ever play in the NFL again, uh, Jordy. I've felt that for the last two years. Uh, yeah, he's what? He's 36 years old now. Yeah. He hasn't played a down of organized he's 34. football. He's 34. Okay. 34. My mistake. Uh, he played yeah, since no. 2016. That's a long and, time. It is. And that's the bigger factor with me. I mean, you know, 34-year-olds, I didn't when I was 34, but 34-year-olds take care of their body now. Yeah. Uh, and he hasn't been taking that NFL punishment. But the fact that he's been away from the game for over five years, uh, and, you know, it's fairly well known and documented now, uh, you know, that he didn't respond to coaches very well throughout his career to begin with so now you're going to bring in an uncoachable guy at least he was in his past right. uh you know who has been resistant to change or instruction and is you know, has five years of you know, ring rust to yeah. use a, a boxing with terminology you. On. with you i just yeah i I don't see it happening. Colin Kaepernick, to me, if he really wanted to play football, he had opportunities in the XFL, CFL, USFL. I just don't think at the heart of the matter that Mr. Kaepernick really, really wants to play. And I'm not here to get into any political uh, debate or racial inequality protesting and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I just think there's younger quarterbacks. I think a lot of teams don't want to deal with with the the public relations of this thing. I just think there's a whole lot. Whether you think it's fair or unfair, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I'm with you. I just don't think anybody's going to take a chance because of all the affirmation things you mentioned. I really do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, you know, any owner, whether it was a collusion, a league collusion, or just an individual owner uh, making a decision, we're not going to sign them because of you know, the off the field stuff, the protesting. That's wrong, and those people should be brought to task. But we're talking about now, like you said, Colin Kaepernick, the football player in 2022, and he's just passed up too many opportunities to get back to or stay in the game. I just think, yeah, you know, when. When you bring in a player like that that's going to come with all those other distractions, as a number two quarterback, mind you, yeah. there is just so many better and more productive ways that your organization could go. All right, here's the big question of the day. I saved the best for last. Who you got? Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen in the Capital One's The Match Six? Who you picking? I got to go with the old guys uh, and those particular old guys. I'm not big fans of personally, as you know, uh, but yeah, the, 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 these old guys, I mean, the, these quarterbacks, that's what they do in the off season. Uh, and even during training camp uh, you know, are these sort of activities. A lot of them, you know, even before the end of their careers uh, you know, are, uh, are pro-am scratch type golfers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the old guys. All right. That's tomorrow night, Brady and Rogers. They, get the nod from our uh, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Bob, as always, it's fun. We'll come up with some topics next week. Job well done, as always, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. You have a great week. We'll talk soon. You got it. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, finishing touches for all you LSU fans that might be heading to the uh, Hattiesburg Regional. Just a heads up, apparently Southern Miss has their own version of the uh, Vandy Whistler. So uh, be careful. Um, The seat holds around 5,000 people. Um, So it'll be packed. It'll be packed. Um, There you go. There you go. Uh, Southern Miss, um, a a fan who screams, throw it in the dirt when the opposing picture gets ready to go into the windup. And Southern Miss fans add an extra dirt at the end of each chant. So um, just be prepared. Crazy folks, man. Crazy folks. Uh, Much more on the regionals on Thursday as we have Astros baseball tomorrow. So we will be off the air, uh, but we'll be back on Thursday better than ever. So let's do some birthday wishes today. If May 31st is your birthday, happy day from us to you. You share yours with uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint is 92 years young today and celebrating his 79th birthday joe guarantee willie namath joe namath 79 years young today so happy birthday to them and happy birthday to you if it's your anniversary happy anniversary hope you keep adding year after year after year to it thanks to our guest today glenn west of uh, 247 sports the great todd walker of the sec network chris connor talking nba from at the bird rights and bob rose with the saints news network thank you james for everything you do thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do we appreciate it and to our partners well you know how important you are we couldn't do this without you so until next time i am jordy helper stay thirsty my friends do everything you can to stay healthy my friends let's be 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 kind to one another and let's be happy so long everybody 